if you're trying to feel the same old holes inside there's a better life there's a better life if you got faith he's a faith if you feel lost he's a way tonight and we're expecting the Lord to move in a mighty way again tonight too. Amen. So Brother Harry, come on up and lead us in an opening prayer and then uh, then we'll have our first song. Come on, Brother Harry. Shall we go to the Lord in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. We actually thank you for the entire week. Yes. yes. Lord, thank you for lifting us up in our spirit and our joy and thankfulness and happiness lord thank you lord that jesus paid a debt he did not owe because we had a debt we couldn't pay thank you lord that he's the resurrection and the life the way to truth and the life thank you lord that we can worship him father and 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 and, and lift up his name for his name is above every name we thank you for the word of god we have in our hands tonight thank you lord for all 66 books and Thank you, Lord, for showing us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by him. Now, Lord, I pray you bless the rest of the night. Use Brother Joe Arthur in a mighty way, I pray, and use the choir. May some soul that's not saved come forward. And would you give me the privilege to lead that person to Jesus Christ? I pray this confidently, Lord, in your name. Thank you. We love you and care for you in a mighty way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Brother Darrell. Page 185. 185. Everybody stand. Glory to his name. Page 
Down at the cross where my Savior died Down where for cleansing from sin I cried There to my heart was the blood applied Glory to His name Glory to His name Glory to His name There to my heart was the blood fountain that saves from sin I am so glad I have entered in Jesus saves me and keeps me clean glory to his name glory to his name glory to his name there to my heart was the blood of Poor soul at the Savior's feet, plunge in today and be made complete. great to be in the house of the Lord tonight uh, and we've had missionaries with us all week and what a blessing they've been and I'm going to ask brother Carl to bring three missionaries up with him uh, brother Carl is our Spanish speaking uh, missions director uh, and he's got three and each one of them are from a different country and so he's going to tell you a little bit about them uh, and they've been traveling with brother Carl here in the states uh, and uh, visiting a lot of different churches, and he's just going to tell you a little bit about each one of them. Uh, and now, Brother Melendez, I've known for a long, long time. Uh, the other two I met this week, and uh, so, uh, but uh, they're all great missionaries, and I praise the Lord for them. Lord bless you, brother. It's good to be here. Praise the Lord. God's good. It's good to be saved. Amen. Amen. Uh, I want to take a, we're in about, we're in eight about different countries. We started out in one country in the beginning with Costa Rica. It just grew, and of course we have about eight families in Costa Rica now, but we're in total eight, eight different countries. <coughs> and here, these men represent three of those countries. Brother Alex, this is Alex Melendez. This was one of my closest students <laughs> back in the early 1980s. And uh, praise the Lord that he's still, still going strong. This guy was a soul winner from the beginning. 
That's all he talked about was winning souls. He just, when he got out of school, that's all he wanted to do. He had hair down to here like a hippie when he first started out. And, <laughs> but uh, old school preacher, we trained him to be old school preachers, amen? And so uh, he's, got, he's got works not only in Costa Rica, but also in Panama working with the Indians because his wife is from Panama and through visiting his in-laws, he got a burden for the Indians that were neglected down there, the Guaymi Indians. And so uh, just a real man of God, stay so busy. And so we're praise the Lord that God was able to bring him up here to get, be able to get away and give him a breather, really. And so I praise God for him. What a man of God he is. He's been in the ministry over 30-some years. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Alfredo Petch, just looking at this guy, he looked different, doesn't he? He looks like one of the old cowboys, one of these old Wild West shows. <laughs> but he, his Petch, is, uh, his last name is Mayan. He works in Mayan territory in the Yucatan Peninsula in, in a state called Quintana Roo. And, uh, but a man of God, I was able, we've been able to visit a couple times. Brother Rick uh, Montes went down with us, he and his wife, and... Uh, uh, got a tremendous word going, tremendous soul winner. Has a big group of soul winners go out every Saturday. Amen. And uh, he, uh, we, they, in these little old mud houses and thatched roofs uh, uh, where some of the people live, they're so poor. But I'll tell you what, they're so impressive. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> when I preached there, what impressed me that every one of the people were taking notes. The invitation time, right up here praying, asking God. So when in time came, they all came out. Praise the Lord, what a tremendous testimony. And we appreciate Brother Patch. He really needs support, <clears throat> really needs help. So just, just pray for him. A tremendous man of God. I think I've known him since 2003. But he's been working in that part of the Yucatan, down about two and a half uh, hours south of Cancun in the, in the Yucatan Peninsula. Pray for him. This, this, he knows no strangers. This man, <laughs> he's a good man. He's been in the ministry now for, uh, oh, uh, quantos años? The, the prayer card, pastoria. 22 years as a pastor in the city of Kibor in the state of Lara, uh, down in, uh, in Mexico. Venezuela. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> Venezuela. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. What, what a mistake. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> you can see how young he is, how old I am. That's why, that's why I made a mistake. But anyway, Venezuela, a tremendous work going in a socialist, communist country where the people are starving to death. They have to fight with the dogs to get the garbage, the food out of the garbage cans. It's a, it's a terrible, terrible uh, place. But you can see what God has done. Look at the video screen out there in the lobby. You can see his work when you go out. But uh, uh, he's just sent out uh, new preachers. They've sent out preachers, about four different, four preachers I know, uh, to start other churches from that church. Uh, it amazes me if you just look at the ministry. He wants to feed 250, he's feeding 250 kids, rescuing them off the streets, uh, uh, rescuing young people off the streets, mentally challenged people, uh, elderly people, and the physical handicapped people has a tremendous ministry, has multiple facets, so I won't go into all that. It's just a tremendous ministry. I was so impressed when I first saw him, and I got to thinking to myself, well, I'd like to recruit that guy for the GPA. And lo and behold, the Lord led us to do that. 
okay? Yeah. This guy, if you could get, hear this guy preach, I think he's a, he, I'm not bragging, he's one of the greatest uh, compassionate preachers as far as Hispanics go I've ever heard. Amen. Praise the Lord for this guy. Amen. I mean, he's real. Uh, he don't put on, he's just real, okay? Amen. He's a good man. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, pray, just pray for these guys. They, they need support and help. You know, we don't come to the States to go on a vacation or have, you know, good time in the conference. We come to get them support, okay? Support is the number one thing they need. That's why they're here. They can only take two or three weeks out of the year to come. They can't spend two or three years on deputation. So they have to use their time wiser while they're here. And it's our prayer that, you know, God doesn't run out of money, but we run out of faith, all right? I've heard so many pastors say, we ain't got any money. We're all full up. We ain't got any money. Well, God doesn't run out of money. And so but each time a pastor reluctantly invites us to his church, he ends up taking them on. And so you can't tell me, and I've, 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 I've seen it so many times, God always has more than he can give, than we can give, and he uses us. Thank you so much. Praise the Lord for Brother Gary. What a tremendous man of God. One of my, my favorite mission preachers. And you can't help but love this man. And, uh, we've done medical clinics together and uh, trips together. Just uh, just what a tremendous ministry. Uh, Brother Talbert Moore had, and then his son just took over. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much. Amen. Amen. I appreciate that, Brother Carl. And uh, I'll tell you, uh, I've been working in uh, Central America back and forth uh, on short-term trips for un quite a number of years. And uh, these men are doing a tremendous work. And, uh, and I praise the Lord for it. And we see people saved every time we go. Sometimes we see 10 or 12. Sometimes we see 100. Uh, but we see people saved every time we go. Wouldn't that be something if every time you preached a revival meeting, 10 or 12 at least got saved. Wouldn't that be something? But I'll tell you, it's that way down there, and we praise the Lord for it, and uh, praise God for the opportunity. Uh, so I'll tell you what we're going to do. Uh, we're going we're gonna, to uh, get the ushers up here. We're going to take up our offering, everything you give this week. Uh, now, I, I, I'm going to give tomorrow night, and I, I meant to give tonight. Actually, I was going to divide my giving up 50% tonight and 50% tomorrow night, uh, and i I just be honest with you. I, 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 I forgot. Uh, you know, have you ever done that? You just, uh, let me show you how much I got tonight. That's how much I got tonight. <laughs> if I had it, I'd give it. Amen. But I, I, I forgot to bring my gift tonight, but I won't forget tomorrow night because my wife will remind me. And uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll be giving mine tomorrow night. But you give as the Lord directs. Of course, there's expense to this meeting. And uh, we, uh, we try to give honorariums to the preachers that preach in the evening. We also try to make sure that the singers get uh, a good part. And, so, uh, and then we have all the food and the lodging. And so we, we would appreciate. Uh, I got somebody's Bible. Is this yours, Daryl? No? Is this yours? It's yours? Okay, great. I'm going to keep it. Because I know it's got some great notes in it. <laughs> yeah, I thought this had the apocrypha in it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you give as the Lord directs, and uh, I, I know, I know, I know. He'll bless you for it. Amen. I'm going to ask uh, TJ, if you would, to ask God's blessing on the offering.
Yes, yes, dear Lord. Yes, dear Lord. Come on up on this last verse. It tells of one whose loving heart can feel my deepest woe. Each sorrow bears a part that none can bear below. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh. 
everybody stand and sing uh, this chorus that comes to my mind when I think of that song. Oh, how he loves you and me. Oh, how he loves you and me. He gave his life. What more could he give? Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves you and me. Here we go. time. tell you, it's always a great joy when the Rochesters get to come through, the Ben Rochester family, and we are so glad to have them uh, tonight, and uh, Brother Joe told me, Ben, to tell you to do at least one, I'm going to say it this way, at least one banjo song. <laughs> he said, tell him to do at least one fast song, so I said, well... If he's going to do a fast song, it ought to be a banjo song. So at least one banjo song. So y'all give him a nice big round of applause. We're glad to have him with us tonight. Rochester family. It's a joy to be back here at Nottingham. We appreciate this opportunity to be back. Hope our songs will be a blessing. Sure what I find But I found in 
God's plan will unfold. He has never, never, He has always prevailed. The Lord, He is still in control. And so there's no need to doubt Him. As I look back on this road I've traveled I see so many times He's carrying me through And if there's one thing that I've learned In this life My Redeemer is faithful and true And my Redeemer is faithful and true and everything he has said he will do And every morning his mercies are new oh, oh, oh. And my Redeemer is faithful and true rejoices when I read his promise that there's a place that I'm preparing for you I know someday I'll see my Lord face to face cause my Redeemer is faithful and true and my Redeemer is faithful Everything he has said he will do And every morning his mercies are new oh, oh, oh. And my Redeemer is faithful and true
And in every situation, He has proved His love to me. When I lack the understanding, He gives more grace to me. And my Redeemer is faithful and true. And everything He has said, He Faithful and true. My Redeemer is faithful and true. And Jesus is faithful and true.
grace, aren't y'all? Um, I don't know how many you want us to do, brother. Do one more with the banjo. Would you help us, brother Joe? Yes, sir. Hallelujah. <laughs> Taste and oh, we're ready now. Can I make you stand there?
Okay, so Brother Joe played me for a sucker tonight, didn't he? Did, did he? didn't he? Didn't he really? Okay, he said, "You be sure. <laughs> you be sure and tell Ben to play a fast song." He knew he was going to get up here and play that <laughs> mandolin. He knew it. He knew it. And that is exactly why he t uh, told me to ask him that. So uh, I, I ain't gonna listen to you no more, Joe. Hey, Joe. Look. <laughs> That's exactly the way we wanted it. So I just want you to know, Brother Joe, <laughs> he ain't going to pay me no mind. Hi, I'm listening. There's my son, and there's my grandson, and there's my great-grandson. And my great-grandson, he's Bo, but his name is Bowman Talbert Moore. <laughs> you ready to preach? Yeah, boy. Good to see you. I love you, Brother Gary. Even if you did snook him in. You've always been a daddy figure to me. I want you to know. <laughs> oh, I love Brother Gary. Uh, I, I left early Monday. I was in Burlington. Dale Vance and I were together at Brother Hobbs' church at Burlington. And, and then I got up at 2.30 this morning, and I flew out of somewhere and landed somewhere and met somebody. But I was leaving Monday, and Julie said, Now, where are you going to be? I said, I'm going to Burlington up there to Randy Hobbs. I've been preaching there since 88, and uh, 1988. And she said, Where are you going then? I said, I'm going back to Nottingham, and I've been coming up here since 97. She said, When are they going to get tired of y'all? I said, They already have, but everybody else was booked. I'm all they could find. Brother, when you're better than nothing, you'll get a lot of opportunities. But we do love you and thank God for you. And it's good to be in the house of the Lord. And God is worthy tonight. And good to see Brother Plato here. He's probably the only one in here that talks like I do. And my wife, she's from kind of close to where he lived. He lived in the bootlegging country. And uh, Julie's mom and daddy were also pretty high up in the community there. They were in the iron and steel business. Her mother ironed and her daddy stole. But anyway, it's good to see Brother Plato tonight. And Brother Moore, I believe your great-grandson enjoyed my picking. He was a-dancing. And I like that, don't you? John chapter number 11. John chapter number 11. And I'm looking forward to the share tomorrow, hear the good preaching they'll have, and uh, the good music. We're blessed in this nation to have religious freedom. I don't know how long we'll have it. There's a group of people tonight that hate it. Because I'm going to tell you what's standing in way of socialism and communism is the church. Christianity. And I want to go to church while I can. I want to serve God while I can. Last year when I had that vocal cord surgery, we didn't know if I'd ever speak again, much less preach again. And I appreciate the Lord giving me a little something left. The Lord is good. I went back for my yearly follow-up. 
And the doctor said, well, I got some good news and bad news. He said, the good news is you're okay. You don't have cancer and your vocal cords. He said, bad news is you'll never be normal. What's so funny about that, brother? So I got in the car, and Julie said, what did he say? He said, honey, he said, I'd never be normal. And she said, you weren't normal before you had the surgery. And then I said, get behind me, Satan. That didn't work out too good. But the Lord is good, and I love him tonight. John chapter number 11 and I want to read some verses out of this chapter and give you something that the Lord really spoke to me today about. I got a brand new sermon on Elijah, and I've been waiting eight months to preach my new sermon on Elijah tonight. But the Lord has directed my heart to this, and I trust that God will use it to help somebody along the way. John chapter number 11 Let's begin reading tonight in verse number 19. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she has heard that Jesus has come in, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I want you to notice tonight how quick her faith is restored. But I know that even now, aren't you glad he's alive now? He's on the throne now. He is not only the God of the past, the God of the future, he's the God of the present. Amen. And I know that even now, whatsoever thou ask of God, God will give it thee. Aren't you glad tonight that God met the need of this little girl by the name of Martha? I want you to come down tonight to verse number 32. There's somebody else in this little village that needs a touch, that needs a miracle, and it's her sister by the name of Mary. Notice how the Lord deals with her. Then when Mary was come to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. And when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came to her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. You know what he literally did in that text? He stepped into her grief. He stepped into her world. And her trouble became his trouble, and her grief became his grief. And I'm glad we do have a great high priest that can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. And so he met the need of Martha. He met the need of Mary. Come down tonight, if you will, to verse number 43. There's somebody else in this little sleepy village of Bethany that needs a miracle, it's their brother by the name of Lazarus. And notice how the Lord deals with him in verse 43. And when he had thus cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. I love verse 44. And he that, let me emphasize, 
was dead. And he that was dead came forth bound, hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face bound about with a napkin. And Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. I'm glad God met the need of Martha. God met the need of Mary. And God met the need of Lazarus. By the way, tonight, when the Lord goes to meet needs, he meets them all. I'm glad when God sets the table, all are invited. And he didn't used to be the answer. He's still the answer. But now there's one more little group of people in this text that needs a miracle. They need a touch from God. In fact, what they need is greater than Martha and Mary and Lazarus put together. In fact, what he did for them is the greatest miracle recorded in this text. Look, if you will, in verse number 45. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, say this out loud with me, believed on him. And he not only met the need of Martha, met the need of Mary, met the need of Lazarus, but he met the need of those unbelieving Jews. And again, when God meets needs, there's not a need that he cannot meet. From this text tonight, I want to preach for a while on the three resurrections of John 11. There's three resurrections in John 11. I love the way the gospel of John presents the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the time you get to the end of John, this is one thing that you know. There's no boundaries and borders or limits to what he can do. Just when you think he's maxed out all of his power, just when you think he has done the impossible, surprise, 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 he is able not only to do, but do exceeding abundant above all that we ask or think. In John chapter 2, when Jesus performed that first miracle, where he turned the water into wine. At the end of that, the Holy Spirit inserts this little phrase. And this was the beginning of miracles. It's as though the Holy Spirit is saying, you ain't seen nothing yet. Because the miracles get broader, they get wider, they get bigger. Because there's not a problem that he cannot solve. There's not a need that he cannot meet. But I believe tonight when you come to John 11, they think they've got him cornered. They think finally this Jesus man has reached the apex of his miracle working power. Because it's one thing to turn water into wine. It's one thing to speak healing in one city and it takes place in another. It's one thing to make a lame man walk and a blind man see. It's one thing to walk on water and calm wind and calm waves. 
It's one thing to take five loaves and two small fishes and feed 5,000 men plus women and children. All of those are awesome. But now surely they're at a place now that this man has reached the end of his power. Because the man in our text tonight is not lonely. He is not hungry. He is not sick. He is not blind. He's dead. According to the words of our text, he's not only dead, he's four days dead. According to the words of our text, he is wrapped up like a mummy in a tomb dead. And in the words of his sister and only a sister would say this about a brother, he's stinking dead. Surely Jesus has reached the apex of his power, but Shazam, what does he do? He does it again because there's no boundaries and borders or limits to what he can do. And Jesus accomplished it in this text with one phrase, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And I hope at the end of this message tonight, you leave this place with absolute assurance in your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's not a problem that he cannot solve. There's not a need that he cannot meet. There is not a mountain that he cannot climb because he was, he is, and always will be the miracle-working son of the living God. Let's look tonight how he proves it in these three resurrections of John 11. Resurrection number one, the obvious one in the text. I call it the resurrection of life for the dead. Jesus goes to the grave of Lazarus, commands them to roll away the stone, and with a voice of power and authority, calls him by name and said, Lazarus, come forth. That little word Lazarus means the Lord is my helper. You Bible students know that there are two men in the New Testament that bear the name Lazarus. And isn't it amazing that both of these men named Lazarus are introduced to us under the shroud of death. There is the Lazarus that, uh, the, the, that laid at the gate of the rich man that was carried to the bosom of Abraham after he died by the angels. And the Lazarus in this text, the brother of Martha and Mary that had been in the domain and clutches of death for four days. But ladies and gentlemen, when the Lord is your helper, not only in life, not only in death, but in eternity, and when the Lord is your helper, even death ain't no big deal. And he calls him by name. The Lord is my helper. Lazarus, come forward. I asked my dad one time, I said, Dad, why did he call him by name? 
He said, son, if Jesus would have just stood up and said, come forth, every dead person in the world would have walked out. And he said, in fact, one day he is going to do that. He said, think about it like this. He shouted at the grave of Lazarus and one man got up. He shouted at Calvary when he died and many of the saints got up. But ladies and gentlemen, when he shouts the next time, not one, not a few, not many, but every child of God that pillared their dying head on the finished work of Calvary will hear his voice and they're coming out of that ground. You know what this is tonight? This is a foretaste of a great resurrection that's going to take place some glad morning. Man, I love what Paul told that church of Thessalonica, but I would not have you to be ignorant brethren concerning them which are asleep, that just sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. I pulled up in the parking lot and I saw the cemetery behind the church. And one day that little plot of ground is going to turn into resurrection ground. And I'm glad there is hope beyond this veil of tears. Jesus, the revelated Christ, told John on the Isle of Patmos, I'm he that liveth and was dead, and I'm alive forevermore, and I've got the keys to death and the keys of hell. And he said, because I live, ye too shall live also. I want to tell you tonight the comfort of the believer and the anchor of our soul and the anticipation of our heart is when Jesus comes, the dead shall live again. Job at the grave of his little children looked up with tear-stained eyes and he said, God, I got a question. If a man die, shall he live again? And it seems like through the rest of the Old Testament, that unanswered question is echoing off of the walls of Revelation. But right here in the little sleepy village of Bethany, Jesus said, Job, I think it's time I answered your question. If a man die, shall he live again? The answer is yes, a thousand times yes. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live 
I'm glad to report to the saints of God tonight that death is not the end and the cemetery is not the end. Jesus is coming and the dead in Christ will hear his voice and ain't no grave gonna hold my body down. Aren't you glad the great resurrection of the saints of God, we will see our loved ones again. And Paul said, if we only had hope in this life, we wouldn't be just miserable. We would be of all men most miserable. But we're not sad. We're not miserable because we know there is hope because Jesus said, if you believe on me, he said he would resurrect us some glad morning. And aren't you glad there is the resurrection of life for the dead? One of my best friends in Atlanta is not only my neighbor, he's also a member of our church, and uh, he owns and operates the local funeral home. We, we tell everybody he's the last man in our church to let anybody down. You'll get that after a while. I tell him all the time, harsh, the true meaning of a hypocrite is an undertaker trying to look sad at a $25,000 funeral. Can I get a witness? I went by to take him to lunch one day. He said, come here. I want you to come with me to the selection room. And I, I don't like to go back there to that selection room. You say, but Brother Joe, there's nothing back there but empty caskets. I know that, but every one of them are sticking their tongue out at me telling me I'm gonna be next. And so we walked in this little selection room and he said, Joe, come here. You gotta see this new one. He said, the best Batesville's got. This is an awesome, this is the best Batesville's got. He said, look at that thing. It's guaranteed not to leak for 50 years. I said, who's going to know the difference? Oh, he said, preacher, you don't understand. I'll lay your carcass in that thing. I'll reach in my pocket and I'll get that key and I'll wind her down and them seals will come together. And when them seals come together for over 50 years, no water, no air, no noise, nothing is gonna penetrate that seal. I said, Horace Wayne Ford, let me tell you something. You may put my carcass in one of them things. You may reach in your pocket and get that little key. You may crank her down real tight and them seals may come together and you may dig a hole 50 feet in the ground and put 50 yards of concrete on top of it and seal everything up. But when Jesus splits that eastern sky and he calls my name, I will hear his voice and I I'm coming out of that grave. Aren't you glad we have hope tonight? We have hope tonight that Jesus is coming and we will see our loved ones again. Thank God for the resurrection of life for the dead. Resurrection number one, the resurrection of life. But number two tonight, I see another resurrection in this text. Let me say it like this, there's more than a dead brother and a dead body in Bethany. You see, there's two sisters by the name of Martha and Mary. 
They've got more than a sick brother. They got more than a dead brother. Their hope, their courage, their trust, their confidence has gotten sick. It's gotten weak and it's dead inside of them. Can I remind you tonight who Martha and Mary are? They're lovers of Jesus. They're followers of Jesus. They are servants of Jesus. They have made him a place to stay in their home. He has slept in their bed. He has ate at their table. I mean, they love Jesus. They know they love Jesus, and they know Jesus loves them. Jesus knows they love them, and the whole village knows that they love Jesus, and Jesus loves them. But can I remind you tonight that being a lover of Jesus and a servant of Jesus and a follower of Jesus does not isolate nor insulate any of us from the realities of life. Their brother gets sick and their brother is at the point of death. And Pastor Gary, they do the only thing they know to do. They get somebody to go to a little village four days away and tell Jesus, come, come now, we need you. But if you know the story, Jesus didn't come day one. If you know the story, Jesus didn't come day two. If you know the story, Jesus didn't come day three. And I'm just telling you tonight, if the devil back then was like he is tonight, can you imagine at all the lies and all of the stuff he put in the head and in the heart and in the soul of these two sisters. You say, Brother Joe, what makes you think the devil may have monkeyed with their mind in that three-day period? Well, let me ask you this tonight. What would cause these two lovers and servants and followers of Jesus to accuse and question the Lord when he got there, not behind his back, not through a third party, but to his face? Do you realize tonight, ladies and gentlemen, that both of these sisters, both of these lovers of Jesus looked at Jesus in the face and said, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. They are accusing the Lord. They are blaming the Lord. They are frustrated at the Lord. If you would have been here, our brother would not have died. This is your fault. You could have kept this from happening. And if you'd have been where you should have been, this would have never happened. You say, oh, Brother Joe, what a dastardly, what a terrible thing to say to Jesus. Let me tell you something tonight. It may have never come out of your mouth and mine, but I bet it's rolled around in our heart and in our, in our, in our mind a time or two. By the way, it's easy to say what you're going to do and what you're going to say and how you're going to feel before trouble cuts loose. But what are you going to say right in the midst of it? No doubt that low-down devil said something like this to Martha and Mary. See? See? All them meals you cook for Jesus? All them days you serve Jesus? All them times you were there for Jesus, he's not there for you. Why, if he loved you, he'd have come when you asked him. Why, if he loved you, he could have kept this from happening. 
Why, if Jesus cared as much about you as you care about him, he'd have come the first time you called on him. You say, Brother Joe, what makes you think the devil says stuff to people like that? Well, been there done that and I used to say got the t-shirt but now I say been there and done that and got the scars. You let some kind of uncontrollable circumstances let loose in your life and the first thing the devil says tried to tell you. Tried to tell you serving the Lord was in vain. I tried to tell you that you're doing all of that for nothing. Why the Lord don't love you. Why, if Jesus loved you, he wouldn't let all these bad things happen in your life. Let me tell you something tonight. The devil's not only a liar, but he's the father of all liars. And I want to say to Martha and Mary, don't you listen to that. Hey, he may not have come day one. He may not have come day two. He may not have come day three. But God has heard your prayer. He knows your sorrow. He's headed in your direction. And he's never failed one of his children. And he's never forsaken one of his children. And he's never forgotten one of his children. And he's not going to start with Martha. And he's not going to start with Mary. And he ain't going to start with you. And he's not going to start with me. He will come. He will show up. He will honor his word. He will be faithful. You wait and see. He will do what he said he was going to do. And sure enough, day four, here he comes. Now, can I just clear me off a piece of real estate and say this tonight? He's never a day late nor a dollar short. He doesn't go by our watch. He doesn't go by our calendar. He don't even read the almanac. He's God. He's sovereign. He's omnipotent. Hallelujah. You say, where did he come from? Anywhere he wanted to. There's nowhere that he ain't already been. I know that ain't good English, but that's good southern preaching right there. Don't you let the devil tell you you're not saved. Don't you let the devil tell you you're out of the will of God. Don't you let the devil tell you God doesn't love you because the storm came, because the trouble came, because the unexpected cross came in your life. Ladies and gentlemen, God is still on the throne and God is still in control. He's headed in your direction and just when you need him the most, he will be there. Sunday four, here he strolls into Bethany. And somebody runs in there and says, Martha, he is here, hallelujah, he is here, Jesus is here. Brother, she tore out of that house. She came up there to where Jesus was and she said, listen, I just gotta get it off my chest. Let me say it and I'll be over it. If you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that even now, it ain't too late. Whatever you ask of God, he will give it. You know what? She just needed one visit from the king. She just needed a little visit from the resurrection and just Jesus showing up, coming to her place, reminded her he does care. He still cares. I came to tell somebody tonight, you feel like God doesn't know your name. He doesn't know your need and he don't 
don't care anything about you, but I've come to tell you, hang on, baby. Your prayer has been heard. Help is on the way. And when he stops by your house, your faith will be renewed. He does care, and God can do it now. Hmm. Boy, I'm glad that he restored the confidence and the trust of Martha. Oh, but she's got a sister by the name of Mary. I love the way the King James says, but Mary. Uh, let me ask this tonight. If you're a parent, raise your hand. If you're the parent of more than one, raise your hand. You gotta agree with Brother Joe on this tonight. You can have two children live in the same house, eat the same food, go to the same church, got the same mama and got the same daddy, and they are worlds apart, different. You can have one inherently intelligent, smart as a rock, don't even study and then make on a rope. Well, you can have another, dumber than a box of rocks. You, you, you can have one and all you got to do is cut your eyes and clear your throat. <clears throat> and the fear of God immediately overwhelms them. And brother, you can have another one. You can wail and frail and threaten to put them in you know where. And they're going to bring you right to the edge and go, why? But boy, when they do that, that is an awesome golden opportunity for you to clear you off a piece of real estate. And I love saying this to my kids, cause I said so. Somebody said, Brother Joe, do you miss Joseph and Joanna? I do, I do, I do miss them so bad. They're out on their own now, and I miss them. You say, why do you miss them? Because when they lived at my home, there were two people that I could say to, because I said so. You say, doesn't Julie live with you? Yes. Can't you say that to her? No. I can, but it don't do any good. All you old timers sitting here tonight that married them old fashioned submissive women that cooks biscuits and gravy and does everything you tell them, you pray for us. Them kind wasn't available. Some little preacher come up the other day, he said, Brother Joe, I'm sitting to pray God to give me a wife. I said, what kind you're looking for, son? He said, I'm looking for one that's submissive and she obeys and she cooks biscuits from scratch and does what Tell her, I said, son, you are 45 years too late. <laughs> Women like that are like parking spaces. They're taking her handicap. Can I get a witness in the church house? Because <laughs> I said so. Kids are different. Brother Gary, Martha and Mary are sisters. Got same mama, got same daddy, live in the same house, got the same brother, love the same Lord, but they're different. And I'll tell you what I've learned, Pastor, in that little church, almost 40 years, people are different. They grieve different. They hurt different. 
and they respond different. Man, Martha, as soon as she heard Jesus was coming, bam, her, it was over for her. But notice the Bible said, but Mary sat still in the house. I know Martha's been given kind of a bad name through the years, but at least she had the audacity to go out and greet the Lord. At least she went out there and greeted the Lord and talked to the Lord. But Mary is so vexed. Mary is in such a deep grief. Mary is so distraught and hurt in her heart, Ronnie. She won't even go out of the house and walk out in the yard and speak to Jesus. Let me ask you this tonight. If Jesus loved us enough to come pay us a personal, physical visit at your house, don't you think we at least have the audacity to go out there and speak to him? But she is so hurt, Brother Randy. She is so vexed. Her grief is so deep. I mean, Martha's out there worshiping. Martha's out there being restored. But Mary, she is so hurt and distraught and angry. And let me just say this to you. She reminds me of some people I've met through the years. They're not gonna be at church Sunday morning. And they're not gonna be at church Sunday night. And they're not gonna be there the next Sunday. And by their own testimony, They'll never go to church again. They're not going to go up there again to them bunch of hypocrites because they got wounded. They got hurt. They got disappointed. And they're taking that anger out on God and won't read his word anymore and won't call on his name anymore and won't go to his house anymore. But if you never ever hear anything Brother Joe preaches to you, you get a hold of this tonight. Don't you take out your anger and your disappointment and your hurt on the very one that loves you like nobody's ever loved you that saved your soul, that can meet your need. Don't you take it out on the best friend you've ever had. But as Paul Harvey says, page two, when Mary gave up on Jesus, he never gave up on her. And just like a sovereign God does every time in the back, whoop, he took the initiative. I'm about to enjoy my own preaching right there. Brother, she's sitting still at the house, but I love what Jesus did. Jesus looks around and said, hey, I'm missing somebody. Every time I've been in this house, every time I've been in this city, there's always been somebody at my feet worshiping me, washing my feet with her tears. Where's Mary? Where's Mary? Martha said, Jesus, she's been four days up, stuck up in the house. She won't talk to nobody. She don't want to be around nobody. She's withdrawn herself from everybody. And for four days, she's been stuck in the house, weeping and crying, wondering where you are. And I love what Jesus said to Martha. He said, Martha, you go tell her the master's come and he call it for thee. The master's come and he call it for thee. And the Bible said in our text tonight that Martha goes in that house and I love this. She wasn't an independent Baptist because of the way she did it. The Bible said she called her sister secretly. If she'd have been a good Baptist, she'd have got a ball bat and a megaphone and screamed it in her ear. But she called her sister secretly. I believe that means she leaned over in Martha and, and, and Mary's ear and said, Hey, baby, listen, he's here. He's here. The master come. He called it for thee. 
Son, that was it. That's all she needed. A little word that Jesus knew her name that Jesus knew her address, that Jesus was coming to where she was and was calling her son. She ran out of that house and those mourners think she's going to the grave. She's not going to the grave. She's going to the grave robber and she runs out there to where Jesus is and the Bible said she fell at his feet and man, the Bible said she began to cry. She began to weep. You know what she did? That four days of frustration, that four days of setback, that four days of hurt and disappointment that she'd been bottling up, stuffing up on the inside. Honey, when she got up there to where Jesus was, she took the cork off of the bottle, she poured out her grief, she poured out her complaint, and she's just mired up at the feet of Jesus and the fountain's own son, and she's getting rid of her frustration, she's getting rid of her Aren't you glad tonight, honey, there's a place at the feet of Jesus where the child of God can go, take the cork off, empty our soul, and tell him all about it. Son, when I saw this the other day, I was glad I was not operating a motor vehicle because if I'd have had on my choir robe, I'd have kicked the back end of it out. Boy, while she's mired up at the feet of Jesus, while she's weeping at the feet of Jesus, while she's crying at the feet of Jesus, she hears something. Jesus is groaning. He is stepping into her suffering. And about that time, she feels something hit the side of her face. It runs down her cheeks. It puddles up on her hands. And when she looks up to her amazement, not only is she a crying, but now the Lord is a crying. Not only is she a weeping, but the Lord is going to weeping. And here's what happened in this text. Her tears got to mingling with his tears. His tears got to mingling with her tears. His tears and her tears touched one another. And I just want to tell you tonight, when your tears touch the master's tears, it ain't gonna be long, honey, the Lazarus takes a stroll. He can be touched. He is touched. He is the sympathizing Savior. And she poured it out at the feet of Jesus. Can I tell you this tonight? When Lazarus walks out of that tomb, glory, hallelujah, when Lazarus walks out of that tomb, more than a dead body has come back to life. When Lazarus walked out of that grave, more than a dead body has walked out of that tomb. You know what else is resurrected? Hope lives again. Courage lives again. Trust lives again. And you may be in this service tonight and your hope and your trust and your confidence has gotten weak. It's died because of the circumstances of life. And you feel like, I can't read the Bible again. I can't pray again. I can't shout again. I can't worship again. There's a God headed your way and he makes dead things live again. Not only can he get a dead body out of the grave, hope lives again. Courage lives again. Trust lives again. And God can make you live again. The resurrection of life of the dead. Resurrection number two, the resurrection of hope and courage for the distressed. 
But resurrection number three, verse 43. There's more than a dead body in Bethany. That's more than two followers of Jesus with dead courage and trust. There's a worst death in Bethany. You say, dear God, Brother Joe, what could be a worse death than somebody dead for four days and they're already stinking and two followers of Jesus with their faith and their hopes crushed? I tell you, there is a worse death. Those unbelieving Jews that are dead in trespasses and in sin. What they need is greater than Lazarus. What they need is greater than Martha and Mary. Mm. And I'll admit, what a miracle when he raised that man from the dead. What a miracle when Martha and Mary got their hope and their trust back. But honey, the greatest of all miracles in this text Hallelujah. It's not raising Lazarus from the dead. The greatest miracle in this text is not the rekindling of the trust and the hope of Martha and Mary, but the greatest miracle in this text, by the way, and the greatest miracle God has ever performed in verse 43 when those unbelieving Jews that were lost and on their way to hell, when they saw the things that Jesus did, the Bible said they believed on him. They believed on him. The greatest of all miracles is when an old sinner believes on the Lord and he gets saved. I call that the resurrection of faith and salvation for the depraved. Notice how the King James words in verse number 43, many of those Jews, I love this, which came with Martha and Mary, Watch this. When they had seen the things that Jesus did, when they saw him work in their life, they believed on him. You know what Jesus literally does in this text? He takes their misery and gives them a ministry. You know what he literally does in this text? He takes their trial, their thorns, and their tears and makes them a testimony. People watching God work in their life cause them unbelieving Jews to believe and be saved. Man, I'm sorry Lazarus had to die. You know what's worse than that? He had to go do it again. I guess he did. I ain't met him. I don't think him and John F. Kennedy and Elvis are down in the Bahamas or the Yucatan Peninsula somewhere. I believe he died again. And boy, I hate Martha and Mary had to be so embarrassed that the whole world got to hear them question and accuse the Lord. But I believe tonight if you talk to Mary and Martha and Lazarus, I believe they'd say, them people getting saved over there and believing on the Lord is worth it. It's worth it. I've been pastoring our church almost 40 years and I feel sorry for those people. Bless her hearts. I've convinced them that nobody else wants them. And I know nobody else wants me. So we're stuck. 
for a little while. But I believe one of the hardest things I've ever done, and, I, and, and people, Brother Gary has said this to me for years, Brother Joe, you're an evangelist. You travel all the time. You just preach. Why don't you just get rid of that church and get rid of all that and just go preach on the road? Well, there's only two things about that. Number one, the Holy Spirit ain't ever told me to do it. And number two, I can't help it. I got a pastor's heart. I really do. I got a pastor's heart. I love them people. Man, we've walked through some deep stuff with each other in 40 years. I've been there when their kids died. I've been there when their mamas and daddies and their husbands and wives died. When their houses blew up. When I had to go wake them up in the middle of the night, tell them there's been a wreck out. I mean, it's been awful. But they've walked with me through the dark places too. 2022, last year, I sat at the house for 12 long weeks didn't sing, didn't talk, didn't preach, didn't do nothing, wondering where was God. And those people were so kind to me. But I believe one of the hardest things I've done pastoring that church, we went in our new building in 2006, and we was only in it about a month or two. And one of the men come to me and said, you need to pray for Mandy and Jim. They got a bad report today. Jim was 35 years old. He's a young fireman in our county got choked on a sandwich at the fire station and worse came to worse. He had stage three esophagus cancer and a year and three months, we buried that boy. One of the hardest things I've ever done was the day he died, they called me and said, you need to come. Me and Brother Tom went over there. He's our assistant pastor. And me and Brother Tom went over there and Mandy said, preacher, help me. Brother Ben, I picked up a five-year-old girl and I picked up a two-year-old girl and laid them over there in that bed with her dying father where they could crawl on his chest and kiss him on his earlobes and pat his cheeks for the last time. I won't ever forget what that five-year-old girl, little Abby girl, Abigail prayed. She said, Lord, this is Abby. And in a few days, my daddy's gonna come and see you. Take care of him to me and mama and sister. See him on the other side. And she said, bye, daddy. Son, I had to get out of there. Tear my nerves up. I said, I'll be back in a minute. And I'm making my way to my car to go out by myself and just lose it. And I was getting ready to get in my car and I heard a scream, preacher. And I looked and there stood that 33-year-old wife weeping. She said, pray, man of God, pray. And I said, Mandy, listen, I'm praying for Jim. I'm praying for him. She said, oh, no, don't pray for Jim. He's fine. And I thought, oh, no, she's in denial. She said, I said, no, no Mandy, I know the grief is hard, but don't get in denial. He's not okay. But the doctor said he's gone in a little bit. She said, no, I'm telling you, he's okay. She said, preacher, he's about to get healed of cancer forever. And where he's going, it'll never be in remission. It's gone. She said, pray for me. She said, pray for me. In 40 years, Brother Gary, I ain't never had nobody say this to me. She said, Brother Joe, please pray for me. She said, I've been in church my whole life. 
And she said, I've heard church people do and say some very wicked and foolish things under this kind of pressure. And she said, I've got lost loved ones in my family and I've got lost loved ones in this neighborhood and they're watching me. And she said, I want you to pray that I won't say or do nothing that will cause somebody to go to hell. Pray I won't say or do nothing that would make somebody think that my Jesus ain't real. And I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I looked at her and I said, Mandy, in the fear of God, I don't think you're gonna fail the Lord. I don't think your faith is gonna fail the Lord. I don't think you're gonna fail the Lord because the Lord's not gonna fail you. I believe you got the foundation and I don't know how and I don't know all the answers, but I don't think you're gonna fail the Lord. And here we are almost 17 and a half years later and she's still coming to church every time the door's open. Still got that hand raised. Raised them two little girls. And that oldest girl, the one that was five then, I just performed their wedding the other day. By the way, she married Walter Burroughs, one of his grandsons, in our church serving God, praising the Lord. Our choir does that Calafé rolling song, Safe Thus Far. And the other Sunday morning, the choir came out doing Safe Thus Far. And that, that, that woman, that mama, that, that wife, Mandy, walked up there and she does the verses. And son, when she lifted that hand and said, I've sailed through many waters. Mm. I've sailed through many waters. Whoop. Rough and deep. But someone has sailed along with me safe, I want to tell you brother, them city slickers in Atlanta got to acting like a bunch of Pentecostal Baptist Nazarene holy rollers. We got to running laps, throwing song books, throwing babies in the air. Amen. I'm telling you, throwing flower pots because not only was she just singing a song but that congregation knew the depth of her grief and the depth of her pain and the level of her trial and she was just simply saying he gave me a ministry. He gave me a ministry. He took my song he took my pain. He took my hurt. And somehow in the sovereign, infinite wisdom, he used it for his glory. I don't understand how God can do all of that. But he can. But he can. 2019, 1030, on a Wednesday night, I'm in Hampton Inn, Fugue Arena, North Carolina. And the whole world changed. The whole world changed. Up to that point, we'd had a picture-perfect, seemingly ministry in life. I mean, you know, a little bump in the road, but man, whoo! I was about to break out and write a book on my best life is now. Oh, you'll get that after a while. But boy, that... Wednesday night at 10.30 in that hotel room. I'd preached all over America. I'd preached all over America. That one phone call changes everything. Don't preach it if you ain't ready to live it. And from that Wednesday night of 2019 till this morning, it ain't let up. You get through that deal or you think you're going to get through that deal and here comes COVID. 
Now it hangs around, coming back again because we got another election. It's done broke out again. I'm, you, you think you're going to get through that? and You get this and you get this. And some more heartache, some more heartache. And, and one day, somebody that I love more than life itself fell into my arms weeping uncontrollably and said, how? How? How can I ever put my arms around somebody else going through trouble and tell them God cares? God's got it. He's going to take care of you. I can't ever do that again. How can I ever trust again? How can I ever, ever do that again? They were so hurt, crushed, vexed. And you put every adjective on the end of that, and multiply it by a thousand times, crushed. How can I ever put my arms around another person and say, God's got it. It's going to be okay. And you know what I had to answer to that? Not a word. There's times you don't have an answer for some questions in life and the best thing you can do instead of talk dumb, shut up. Oh, but I found out the other day he's the resurrection and the life. Whoop! Because guess who I saw at an altar a while back with their arm around somebody saying, he cares. He's got it. He's going to take care of you. I wanted to get down there beside him and say, I thought you said you didn't know how you could ever do it again. But I didn't want to get whooped in front of all them people. I went, yeah, she did it again. I'm wondering how you going to do it again. God's going to come through. God's going to show up. Call to make that which is dead alive again. He's never lost a battle. He's never forsaken a child. He's never let down one of his children. He's a God that makes dead things live again. Hallelujah, what a Savior. And he'll help you before you get out of here tonight. You know what I love about chapter 11? It goes to chapter 12. But it's more than a number. You know what you find in chapter 12? A table. A celebration. A shout. Chapter 11, you got a tomb. Chapter 12, you got a table. Chapter 11, you got a funeral. Chapter 12, you got a festival. Chapter number 11, you got sorrow. Chapter 12, you got shouting. Amen. Psalm 30 verse 5 fits right smack dab in the middle of chapter 11 and 12. The weeping may endure for a night. Joy cometh in the morning. And they're having supper. And they're having a celebration over what God done in chapter 11. Don't give up in chapter 11. You're about to shuck into chapter 12. 
And when you get to chapter 12 and look back at chapter number 11, you might break out singing, who knows? Well, I've been over mountains and I've walked through the valley and from trouble's cup I've had myself. But heaven eternal at the end of the journey will be worth every mile of the trip. Like a happy pilgrim who's arrived on the shore and forgot how the waves tossed his ship. If I can see Jesus smile, hear him say, well done, my child. It'll be worth every mile of the trip. Let's stand together, Lord. We love you tonight. Thank you, Lord. You are the resurrection and the life. But you're the God of the now. Lord, somebody in this room tonight, their faith, their hope, their courage is weak, about to die, wondering where you are and what you're doing. May they be reminded there's nothing too hard for you. Restore someone's confidence and joy tonight. And God, may we do like Mary, find us a little place at your feet to lay it all down and weep and tell you all about it. You are the tear dryer, the nerve calmer, the need meter, the peace. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Pastor Gary, you come and take the service ever how the Lord would direct you. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all men. That he would give his only son to make a wretch's treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The father turns his face away. As wounds which mar the chosen one Bring many sons to glory Behold the man upon the cross My sin upon his shoulders Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was a call. 